Coming up on the Branding Deep Dive podcast. The governor told us in March of 2020 here, in March and April were very rough. They told us, you can't teach. Mm. You just can't. So what we did, we would drive, we would open up the academy. It would be me, my videographer, and whoever else I wanted in the video, depending on the subject of matter we're covering. And we did that as opposed to teaching physical classes because I couldn't. I just made that my nine to five. And we did that and, and we would record for hours and hours at a time and, and it worked out worked out great, man. It worked out great and we took advantage of the time. And I'd either stick around and chime in and uh, online and teach some virtual classes while I'm there at the academy. And that would be my day. So I was still busy. I never took a break. This is Ahmed and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in-depth discussions about what brands are doing well to drive customer loyalty and how you can take those principles and apply them to your own brand. Today, we're talking to Sifu Harun Raja. Sifu Raja is the owner and instructor of Raja Martial Arts in Greenville, South Carolina. Sifu Raja is trained in Muay Thai, Wing Chun, FMA, JKD. I could keep going, but that would make this intro very, very long. Sifu Raja has been in the business of teaching people martial arts for over 12 years, and he has seen the ups and downs. In this episode, we dive deep into his story, pivoting during COVID when gyms were shut down, attracting and retaining talented instructors, and much, much more. If you're a teacher, a coach, or providing any type of service to individuals, this episode is a must listen. Now, here's Sifu Harun Raja. All right, welcome to the show. Today we have on Harun Raja. Uh, Harun, for the people that may not be familiar with who you are uh, and, and the work you do, can you give them a brief introduction to yourself and uh, Raja Martial Arts? Absolutely. Uh, I run a, a martial arts studio for the past 12 years in the greater upstate South Carolina area. Um, through that, I've had the opportunity to also teach self-defense workshops uh, in um, religious organizations such as churches and masjids. Um, and then I've also had the opportunity to travel the nation and travel the world and teach uh, martial arts specific seminars. Um, and um, when I'm not doing that, I'm an avid uh, uh, runner, athlete, uh, ultra marathon runner um, and um, uh, a dad. So <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. you got your hands tied in a lot of things pretty yep. busy. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think we should start with is how you got into martial arts. Uh, I know this is something that uh, is definitely like, I mean, what's, are you, are you Desi, right? Yeah. My father uh, is, was from Pakistan and then my mother uh, as well. However, my mother was British. So she oh, okay. was born in London uh, and she was uh, also from that region as well too. Yeah. I, I just want to say like from, from, like our background, like uh, I'm also from Pakistan. Uh, oh, awesome. My parents are from Pakistan, I, I should say. Awesome. Uh, and it's not something that, it, I mean, we're not exposed to martial arts as much, at least right. fr from my background. So how did you get yeah, into this? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so my mother, uh, may her soul rest in peace. She, she passed away when okay. I was 12. Uh, she uh, was an avid Bruce Lee fan. So when she had a son, uh, I had no choice. <laughs> and uh, um, after that, uh, around five years old, we were blessed enough to find um, not only a martial arts school around here that had an attachment to Bruce Lee, but that it wasn't what usually most kids get into, such as karate or taekwondo. And we're talking uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Um, so it was Wing Chun. Um, and uh, just a little background on that. That was... Uh, Bruce Lee's instructor's martial art. If you're a big martial art fan, you're seeing these Ip Man movies come out. That movie is about Bruce Lee's Sifu, which is, means instructor in, in, in Chinese. Um, and is like my second name. A lot of my uh, instructors call me that. A lot of my students call me that. So she got me involved in that. And it was always martial art first, homework second. Uh, and it was like that uh, miserably till I was about 10 years old. And 10 years old, I had a little bit of a growth spur and I started to like it. And then, of course, her untimely death um, when I was 12, um, yeah, along with all the other emotions that go through any child growing up in that fragile preteen age, propelled me to continue uh, the martial arts and, and her legacy. And um, I was finally uh, around uh, 13, 14, 15, I, I had 
yeah, you know, some some emotions attached to the loss of my mother. So so one of my instructors suggested I take up kickboxing, specifically Muay Thai, and I competed in that uh, when I was 15 and uh, up until almost about 20. Nothing big, just amateur. And um, yeah, so that's how I got started in the martial arts. And then uh, uh, that happened, and that kept I kept taking on more martial arts and training more. It would open doors to other avenues and other arts that focus on different areas of combat. Um, until I got certified in, in teaching a lot of these arts. And my first school was my garage, my father's garage. Uh, and uh, he got pissed off that too many cars were too many cars were parked outside his house. HOA got onto him about that. So that led to him being my first landowner and him kind of just making a bet with me saying, hey, you know, um, my father was always in businesses, uh, the typical gas station businesses and whatnot that you are were stereotyped to attribute to sometimes. Uh, and I definitely didn't want that. That wasn't uh, what I wanted to do, but I learned, you know, being an employee under him in that kind of line of work, a lot of business savvy stuff that I feel you can't learn in a textbook, a lot of street smart stuff, how to talk to people, how to be a people person. I was a huge introvert and believe it or not, even now I'm still that way. It's just for not, if not for my career um, that I forced myself to be a public speaker, but usually um, I'm not like that. And I knew that for my work, you can't be like that. You have to be able to be a, a people person. And the Obama era, um, 2008 or nine, I graduated USC upstate. Uh, it's a university of South Carolina upstate and I uh, couldn't find a job. There was a recession. Um, graduated with a criminal justice degree with a minor in religion. So totally nothing business related. Uh, my, my goal was just to join, um, DSS or, or you know the, our local uh, special forces police team, police academy, and they were laying people off. And then they had a furlough. So whoever they were laying off, they were just going to hire them back. So there was no hope in me. And then kind of the long story short, um, you know, the war on terror is still going on at that time. Federal was the only one that wanted me. And, uh, you know, me being brown, me knowing Urdu, you can only think of one job they wanted me to do. And, uh, I didn't feel comfortable being a kind of a, a mole or a spy or whatever they wanted me to do. Uh, so I got turned off to the whole criminal justice system and, and just all that, mm. uh, you know, and, and then, so my father said, okay, if, you ain't, if you're not going to use your degree, which by the way, he dropped so much money on, um, mm. he, I got a property and it's a 900 square foot little strip between four different sublet strip malls, uh, uh properties. And I'll be your landlord. You'd be my tenant. And let's see if you can make this thing work. And um, 2009, August is when I opened my doors and I never looked back. And uh, Alhamdulillah, it's been 12 years now. Uh, next year will be 13. And uh, yeah, it's, it's paid for a, a pretty, pretty decent lifestyle, being able to raise my, take care of my wife and kids. Um, I can't, can't complain. There is a lot you just dropped there. There's so many I'm things. I'm so sorry. Wanna... No, 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 you're, no, you're <laughs> good. You're good. That was awesome, right? And so there's so All many right, things sorry. that I want to, I want to dive into right here. It's the um, coffee. It's not me. Coffee. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where to start. Uh, you you brought up Ip Man, uh, and I think yeah, one of the things that uh, I did have on my agenda to cover was that like Ip Man, Kung Fu Panda. There's a lot of movies. Uh, I mean, of course, Bruce Lee, uh, right in his era. Do these media productions that come out do they actually raise awareness and bring more traffic to your uh, sites or is it not really uh any impact there it's huge uh it's huge um so even just going beyond that i'll just give you an example of something that uh has a minor play but still brings traffic to our academy so um denzel washington today a movie called book of eli mm-hmm. and in that book he he had a blade in particular, the way he was swinging that blade uh, comes from a Filipino martial, martial art called Kali. We actually teach that martial art. And he, uh, the, the stunt choreographers who were teaching him that, along with the same stunt choreographers for uh, Keanu Reeves and John Wick, along with the same stunt choreographers for uh, Jason Bourne and the mm-hmm. Bourne Identity movies, all were doing this martial art. And so I literally, uh, and this student, if he listens to this podcast, he's going to know exactly who I'm talking about. I had a guy who came and said, I want to be like John Wick. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> he wanted to be like John Wick. And I said, okay, uh, you mean you want to learn the arts that he does? 
because uh, I can't promise I can, I can get you to Hollywood all the way in South <laughs> Carolina. And no, he, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, and fast forward, he's, he's doing all the martial arts that some of them that were displaying those movies. So it, it does uh, definitely when marketed properly. And I think when shown properly too, because sometimes you have the flip side of it and the flip side would be, uh, this is a big problem that a lot of us have where they see uh, maybe, uh, and Khabib does a really good job of cleaning that MMA world up. But sometimes you'll see where, you know, it, it's cool to get, I don't know, all cocky and bashful and, and, mm. and get a fight in the ring and then just totally miss everything that martial arts principles, morals, ethics, values talk about mm. and just go uh, and be very selfless, individualistic. So what happens then in turn is I get people who call me literally wanting to fight. They don't want to learn any martial art. They already have an agenda as to what they want to do. And they feel that since I'm a public servant to society, I'm supposed to entertain that. And I don't. And I don't. Mm. So so you have a you have a balance of a little bit both. You know, here you have the UFC, a fight almost every night, and you know, uh, Johnny Nobody uh, at the bar still drinking a beer, thinking that he can fight. <laughs> gives me a call, you know yeah. what I mean? And he says, "Oh yeah, you know, I just saw this and I want to do that." <laughs> and then and then of course you have people who watch these movies, watch If Man, um, know who Bruce Lee is, and and you know I tell you, it, it, there's a something to say about Bruce Lee's legacy in 2021 when he passed away in 1973 and yet people still know who he is so the jeet kune do his martial art um another art that we do um yeah it's still promoted because people know who bruce lee is um even guys like younger than i mean i don't know how you how old you are but guys in the 20 year olds 19 year olds they know who bruce lee is you know what i mean and, and this is great so yeah i think it definitely does play um, uh, a and uh, uh, a pathway to get students in the academy, and uh, when when done right, when promoted right. So you said you don't entertain when someone is coming off, uh, like they just want to beat someone up, right? Like, what does that conversation look like? Do you just tell them, "Hey, no, we don't do that here," or like, how do you handle those customers or those potential clients that uh, you know they're bringing money to your door, right? They want to learn something, right. but. Uh, you know, that doesn't, that's not what you want to teach, right? That doesn't align with your principles and, and values. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? Uh, there's an easy way and a hard way. Okay. <laughs> the easy way, usually I can die a lot of that ego down over the phone and just tell them that, Hey, we're not, and this is true about us in particular, not, not many other schools. And, but you know, with us, we're, we're not a big competition school. There was a time where I competed. There was a time where I focused on that in my humble opinion, Martial arts schools that focus just on fighters tend to not be very successful. You have to be able to provide a service for any human being that comes through that door. And you have to face the simple fact that they're not going to be collegiate athletes. They're not going to be, um, you know, uh, just physically fit. A lot of them are broken. A mm. lot of them are coming into you. A lot of them are kids. They're women they're coming from very, very uh, psychological, mentally, physically abusive uh, households, uh, they're, they're men with low self-esteem. There, there's a teenager who's getting bullied at school. So you have to be able to cater the arts to everybody. Um, so for that reason, I, I've never entertained that, that fight, uh, fight kind of, um, um, like that taste in that mouth, that that's all they want to do. Now, <clears throat> the hard way is, uh, they come in, they sign the waiver. And as long as they sign the waiver, I'll put them in one of my top guys and he'll put them in his place. <laughs> so that's the hard, that's the hard way. <laughs> and usually mm -hmm. it's, it's debatable which one works better, but, uh, we're, you know, we, uh, yeah. So we're, we're looking for quality over quantity all the time. Mm. We're definitely looking for quality over quantity. So we, we want to make sure if you're a person, you match the mold of the characteristics and the culture we created in our Academy. And if you, if you do great, that means everyone else gets along with you. Women in the class are comfortable working with you because we have co-ed classes. And then we have separate women's classes for women who want to take a separate class. Uh, a lot of our Muslim, are, you know, whoever. Um, but we have co-ed classes as well. So, I mean, I've, I've got, it's a family fitness gym. I've got women, I've got children, you know, so I've got to make sure it's a safe environment for them. And um, I have to put them first. So it's mm. more of a kind of a, oh, I'd like to get to know the person a little bit uh, rather than you know, take their money and say, yep, yep, come on in, you know. I think what you just highlighted there, and I think what's really important for our listeners to kind of take away from that is that 
um, you know, there may be a lot of like a spotlight around these fighter gyms, but the reality is that your customer base, uh, in your case, at least, uh, is not going to be fighters, right? You're in Greenville, South Carolina. Right. These are people that are, you know, they're, they're not necessarily trying to make their whole career as a fighter. And so if you cater your business model to that, you're not really going to get very far, as you mentioned. So it's important to understand right. who your target audience Absolutely. is and how you can serve them. That was that was an experiment. That was trial and error. I mean, I, I yeah, when I was in my, in my first two years, I was just coming out of amateur fighting. So the first year I went up to school and some of those guys, uh, I don't think they're with me anymore. But, you know, if they listen to this, they know who they are. I did focus on fighters. I did not mm-hmm. want someone who was, you know, they, they can't even make a fist or, you know, someone who can't even put uh, their, 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 their gloves on or the shit. I wanted just fighters. And I did, and I, I did that for, for a year. And, and I, I got burned out traveling every weekend to corner these guys in their fights. I got hurt uh, and burned um, not physically, but uh, emotionally, because, you know, if they lost the fight, they felt that it was the coach's fault. Mm. Uh, you know, again, it goes back to the individualistic lifestyle and mentality. So I lost that student, you know, so I, it was through trial, and Aaron, then, and, and you know, I had a, I had cancer um, in uh, 2016. I had testicular cancer, so that disease really, I would say, humbled me, because now, essentially, all those that I was looking down on, I became that type of person. I mean, I, I was like, okay, now I'm weak, mm. now I'm sick, now I can't wow. put food down or whatever. So that really changed my mindset as to what direction from here on out, uh, I wanted the Academy to go towards. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And I, uh, I was listening to another podcast you were on and I think it's a good transition to this topic. Uh, so you had cancer and throughout that period, you were still running your business, right? Like yeah. how, how tough was that? And, um, was that out of necessity or was that, uh, just, you know, you, you just wanted to do it. It was a little bit of both. Um, my school at that time, uh, was probably on year. Well, yeah. And actually we were in transition. So we were actually moving into where we currently are now, which is our largest, uh, space. It's 5,000 square feet. So, um, we were in transition and moving. Um, I wasn't newly, uh, wed, but our marriage was, uh, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, So it's like five, five years, six year mark. Uh, finances weren't the, I mean, it was enough to take care of us, but it wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt the need that I needed to work. <clears throat> Second of all, um, my staff development really was birthed at that time because and and I have those. So ironically enough, we have a Academy Awards lunch we had today. Uh, we haven't had one in two years, and we do it annually to recognize people who have helped us at our academy. Uh, and and I tell you, those same people just now, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for lunch, were the same people that helped me out around that 2015, 2016 uh, time that I was suffering from cancer. They 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 stepped up and they they taught my academy and they helped me stay at home. The the other half of it was I wasn't afraid of the disease. It claimed my mother's life uh, when I was young, mm-hmm. but you know I've had physical pain from 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 fighting and sports, worse pain than cancer. But if you tell me I can't do what I love, and if you tell me I can't teach, that killed me. Mm. That that broke me as a human being, and my wife even remembers that as soon as the doctor said that. I was bawling up and crying. I'm like, he's like, no, your immune system's too low. You got to stay home. It's almost like, sounds like COVID times, you know, you, you can't, you can't go out. And that was it. That, that was, that, that, that ruined me. So I'd like, you know, I talked to uh, another coach of mine uh, who's a two-time cancer survivor. Um, and I told him, I was like, what did you do when this happened? And he said, I worked out and I clocked mm-hmm. into the gym and I would hit the, hit the bag and hit the pad as hard as I could. And I'd go as far as physically as I could. And then when I can't, that's it. But at least I did something to get that energy out. And that's exactly what I did. So I had to come into the gym. You know, I had to smell the sweat. You know, I had to, I had to get that culture and that vibe in me. And I think that that was my drug that I needed 
to keep pushing forward to defeat um, the disease. Yeah, that's uh, thank you for sharing that. I know that's uh, probably not uh, the best topic to discuss on a podcast. No, that's, so. that's right. I feel like I've, I've been on uh, repeat. Oh, really? that, that's been on every single podcast. <laughs> Everyone brings that up because I, I, it's on a lot of my remission pictures and a lot of my, um, well, I've talked about it in almost a lot of podcasts. And then some people are like, hey, there was a time you didn't have any facial hair. I was like, no, no, that was chemotherapy. Mm. <laughs> that was chemotherapy. Mm. That wasn't me shaving. That was chemotherapy. And I, before this mohawk here, I, I used to be bald. I used to shave my head bald. So that was okay. But the skinniness and then the bloating up of chemotherapy, plus me being clean shaved, that's when people really knew what was going on. Otherwise, I've always had uh, a beard. So, mm-hmm. so you would find out anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is totally off topic here, but have you seen King Richard by any chance? I'm sorry, King, King Richard? King Richard, yeah. Is this a movie? Yeah, this is a movie. It just came out. It was about Venus and Serena Williams uh, and like uh, th- their their father's role in that whole process. And Oh, no, I have not. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. So the reason I bring this up, and I'm going to go back a little bit, but uh, you you also mentioned that you reached out to a mentor of yours. So that's, that's kind of what yeah. sparked this. So I also, I also saw that Tiger Woods uh, documentary recently, uh, and his father played a really big role in getting him into golf. Michael Jordan, we have the story of, uh, you know, his relationship with his father, you know, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of these examples, right? Like where the the parents at, at a very early age got their children into something for you, your mother. Um, and, and I think for like, it, not everyone may have, uh, you know, like a parent that is invested in a certain sport or, or certain discipline and get their children into that. But what you learn, or at least from my perception, I'm, I, I'm not into martial arts, but from what sure. I see in movies and stuff is that mentorship and having a teacher is very important, right? And what you just mentioned is that when you were going through a difficult time, you had uh, a mentor you could reach out to that had been through the same situation and was able to guide you through that. So I want to just kind of quickly get your thoughts on the role of mentorship and having uh, people that are looking out for you and have your best interest uh, at heart and how that has shaped your, not just your martial arts career, but also your, your business career. I mean, in the, in the world that I'm in, it's knowledge passed from teacher to student, teacher to student. Um, That's the culture that I'm in. Uh, That's the culture of martial arts. That's a culture of, you know, if you replace it with coach, student, coach, student, that that's how uh, that's the culture of sports, you know? So, um, uh, that was not something foreign to me to be asking for help and to ask people that are greater than me. I mean, that's how some of the best martial artists become some of the best is they seek out who are the top dogs, who are the ones that are producing the best fighters or who's the one who has, you know, uh, the fastest, the strongest uh, kick punch or who can grapple. They'll seek those people out, you know, to learn from them. And so uh, the same is applied to, you know, things that, uh, go beyond martial arts as far as the physicality part of it, you know, the mental aspect, um, the, the spiritual aspect. So, uh, yeah, I, I've always had, I've, I've always had no problem having kind of a white belt mentality. White belt is the first rank of almost all art. So I always say that no matter how high I ever go, I'll always have that white belt mentality where I always feel hungry for more knowledge. I mean, it's in our religion too. I mean, you just, you, you go out and you seek, more people for more knowledge. Otherwise you're never going to grow. If you're never going to grow, you're not, you're not going to ever be any good. And everyone's just going to pass you by business wise. Um, yes. Uh, mastermind, uh, is phenomenal. Uh, I had uh, recently, it, it kind of died down because of COVID, but we, I had a opportunity to be a part of a mastermind of about three other gentlemen. One of them was that attorney guy I was telling you about. Um, and we would get on a conference call every Friday and we would hit before we got on the conference call, we keep ourselves accountable of uh, writing our numbers down uh, and our pros and cons of that specific week. And then nine o'clock in the morning on Friday, we would get on the conference call and we would talk about it. Which one of us out of us four are really hitting their numbers financially? They're doing really good. They're getting students in. And, you know, we're going to definitely, excuse me, chime in and listen to that person. And then the mastermind was good in a sense because we all would expose everything about us, our pros and our cons. You know, most of the time 
you hear the success stories behind the businesses, but you don't see or hear about. Yeah, social media is great about that too. Like you don't see the bad pictures, you don't see the bad videos, you don't see the hurts, you don't see the pain, uh, the blood, sweat, tears. So uh, this was great because one of the guys that was in our mastermind had uh, been around since '92, and he had uh, 300, 500 students. While some of the other guys in us, we were just getting started. So it was really great uh, to learn from that person. And oh wow, that's a really good idea. Oh, and then you know, oh, you know, I'm going to implement that in my kids' program, or you know, well, this is what I did, and you know, maybe this will help you out. And so, mastermind and, and mentorship, I'm a very huge um, advocate of because I've seen uh, essentially the success of it in some of the programs that we've and the systems that we put in place in our school. All those ideas I can attribute from a lot of that that conference call that we used to have, and we hope hopefully to start it start it back up. Yeah, so that's I mean that is super powerful. I, I'll just give you the example of like uh, podcasting, and for the audience, they may have heard this example I've, I've shared a couple of times, but uh, I know quite a number of people that started a podcast and within ten episodes they're done, right? Like they, they oh, never wow. pick up a mic again, right? And so. What we have, like with, uh, I know you were on Us Advice podcast and also Ruffy's podcast, we have kind of a similar thing where like uh, every week we have a separate podcast that we do together and we kind of go through like, hey, this is what I'm doing here. This is what I'm, and, and oh, that yeah. has allowed us not just to, because we're not making money off this, right? So it's yeah, like, right, right. It, it has allowed us to stay motivated and then also steal yeah. certain, like, so for example, you're a guest on all three podcasts now, right? Yeah. Now we got this collaboration and then Ruffy actually, he still, he stole like the format that I use for my intro. So it's a, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good way to have accountability. And then also yeah. what you have is you can steal best practices and just, you know, keep growing. So, um, well, sure. really, I mean, just, just share, share these practices and, and it gotta be open to constructive criticism. I mean, I think, um, you, know, you you ask anybody, the, the, the top 100 most successful people in the world, any Fortune 500, um, you know, they, they have to be open to some sort of accountability and constructive criticism. Otherwise, how do you know if you're doing one thing wrong or you're doing one thing right? And in most cases, for me, I self-doubt myself a lot. Mm. So to hear from my superiors that, hey, you're actually on the right path, man, that's, that, that's a confidence booster for that whole year for me, mm. knowing that, you know, this guy who's got a successful school and is, is almost, you know, uh, bringing in six figures a year. He's telling me that I'm doing something right. That that's great. That that's all I need to hear. So, you know, and, and, and it kind of goes back to, you know, my mom passed away. So she was the biggest cheerleader in this hobby of mine that essentially became my career. Not anyone else in my family. They all know what I do, but a lot of them still follow the stereotypical, you know, uh, you know, whatever the doctor engineer right. path, if not, um, you know, business, but definitely not what I do. They, 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 and a lot of them, you know, still can't fathom kind of what I do. You know, so I just generalize it as much as I can. It's like, I just run a gym. There we go. That's it. I just run a gym. So, so I needed that. I needed to tap into a world where they understand what I'm doing. Um, there's an accountability with it. They encourage me and they respect and, and give me moral support for my hobbies. And um, they give me constructive criticism. So for sure. Yeah. Another thing that you pointed out that I just want to double click on and make sure that, uh, you know, the audience is picking up as well is that, that you mentioned that you're completely transparent and open, right? And it's really important that when you're in these groups, right, you're only going to get what you put in, right? So if you're trying to make yourself seem cool and you're not sharing the actual numbers and you're not really going to see the growth. Right. So, um, and and you mentioned that you, uh, not on this podcast, but on other podcasts that you also are doing some business consulting now is, is that, um, yeah. So COVID uh, was really a test to a lot of us gym owners, as you know, for some reason or another, and I still don't understand it till this day, why governors were receiving orders from whoever, to shut gyms down, in my humble opinion, I think that those were, if not the most healthy and cleanest places anyway, outside of COVID. Mm. That's kind of what people needed to mentally help them stay cooped up. Well, because they did, and they cracked down on it, and they almost made it illegal to run. You know, you're, we're talking when COVID first hit. You know, what February, March, 2020. There's a lot of guys, as you know, in business. You know, the first two years when you open up a business, it's very, very fragile. 
if you can get past that benchmark the first two years, you're good. But unfortunately, maybe they started in 2018 or they started in 2019 and then COVID happened. They, they had no doors to go to mm-hmm. the next day. They had to close their gym down. Some of them lived from that first of the month membership money every first of the month. I know we are, we're like that too. So unfortunately, um, a lot of them didn't make it. I know a lot of my friends had to close their schools down. And it's, it's still going on to this day. This pandemic hasn't gone anywhere. So through that, we pivoted um, at the right time and, and went virtual. Uh, and we created an online portal, which is also on the website too. Um, and, and Zoom, this is Zoom was everyone's safe haven. Um, we, were, we were teaching online on Zoom and we did that right at the right time. And that helped save uh, our clientele to where they felt that their buck would go to at least something rather than us being more of a charity case and just kind of rely on people's heart and say, Hey, can you know, please support us. I know we're not open, but please support you. I mean, you can't, there's only so far you can, you can go with that. And, um, so we had to have something to offer. Now I'm very blessed. I tell you, uh, alhamdulillah, I'm very blessed with the clientele that I have and the staff that I have. Um, uh, we really pulled through and our numbers grew. Oh wow! And they grew. Yeah. Our numbers grew, especially, um, summer and fall of 2020 when there was talks of, uh, I guess less mandates. Well, in South Carolina, we're real chill by the way. So <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're, you're up North, but South Carolina, even now to this day, is, we, there's no mandates for anything here. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're you could argue whether that's good or bad, but business wise, <laughs> that was okay for me. Um, so, so through that, a lot of guys reached out to me and say, Hey man, what did you all do to grow during a time like this? What did y'all do? Uh, what are some of the things and practices that you did? Um, and yeah, I've had an opportunity to, um, you know, help guys and had conversations like this, nothing related to punching and kicking, mm. literally related to how do I run my business properly during these times? Um, and I think they were looking at us as an example, which by the way, there are other schools that did phenomenally way better than us. But unfortunately, there are a lot of schools that closed down. So through that, uh, we have, I have a lot of affiliate uh, association schools that use um, our programs in their schools. And then essentially they, they, uh, they pay an affiliation fee or they pay me mm-hmm. to come down there and do a seminar. So those are the schools that, that were just kind of picking my brain a little bit about that. But um, uh, yeah, so, so that was something that, uh, that's not something I'm, I'm making money off of yet, <laughs> but except mm-hmm. for my affiliates, but uh, yeah, it, it has been something that uh, has popped up as a subject of matter. That's so. That's awesome. So you're saying that when COVID hit, you had to shut down the actual gym operations, and so you guys were quick to pivot and offered your services, trainings, coachings online. And now you've been able to also have different gyms that kind of pay for some of that content, and you're able to kind of uh, that, that's that's a really awesome pivot. It's a really correct, good- yeah, correct. And and I and I had to just kind of look left and right and see what my superiors were doing. What were they doing to help doing that? And we had a lot of we had a lot of Facebook groups that we did that were uh, martial arts school owners, and we were just all chiming and really pick each other's brains uh, and really help. I mean, like I said, I have really good uh, the organizations that we're part of that um, produce these systems of these martial arts are also very brilliant businessmen. Um, mm. You know, like that attorney guy. He's an attorney and he does this for fun. You know, we have. <clears throat> public speakers for fortune 500 companies we had and and they happen to be a black belt in martial arts uh-huh. so they're running a, a gym so so we were picking the brains of, of, of you you were listening to the right people and um again just to be open and be vulnerable and say i need help you know i don't know what to do with this covid19 thing i mean this is killing our business what do we do and um yeah so you know we just listen to the right people at the right time uh, and uh yeah and we uh, happen to have a client who's a videographer and he did a phenomenal job of our um, and made a Venmo. Uh, I'm sorry, I get them confused. Venmo and Vimeo. I think it's Vimeo. Yeah, yeah. Vimeo, yeah. Uh, made a Vimeo channel uh, dedicated to our our uh, academy where there's 255 videos oh, wow. of different martial arts where they could you know just just learn from home. And yeah, it's it was working real well at the time. So you guys made 255 videos in like how how long did that take you? We did it in phases. So uh, phase one was about uh, 100. Phase two is about 15. And we haven't done phase, phase three yet. Uh, well, 
we had time because yeah, that's the, governor, true. <laughs> the governor, right. The governor told us in March of 2020 here in March and April were very rough. They told us you can't teach. Mm. You just can't. So what we did, we would drive, we would open up the Academy. It would be me, my videographer and whoever else I wanted in the video, depending on the subject of matter we're covering. And we did that as opposed to teaching physical classes. Cause I couldn't, I just made that my nine to five. And we did that and, and we would record for hours and hours at a time. And, and it worked out, worked out great, man. It worked out great. And we took advantage of the time that I'd either stick around and chime in and uh, online and teach some virtual classes while I'm there at the Academy. And that would be my day. So I was still busy. I never took a break. Hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, you work from home, but I mean, I never, I was at, I was at the Academy just as I was outside the pandemic pre and post. Yeah. So I think uh, right now, one thing that I want to transition to is uh, you know, you brought up having the pivot here to a virtual environment. So I'm assuming this kind of plays into it, but you know, when I did a Google search of uh, martial arts academies in Greenville, uh, there were a couple other ones that came up. And so what I'm really interested in is how are you guys differentiating yourself from the other academies? And uh, like when people are coming, is there certain messaging you guys have around that? Or is it um, based on the client experience? Like, how do you guys think through that? Like there are other you know places here, what makes uh, Raja martial arts special? And then also uh, I'm assuming part of that is also the online video experience that you guys have, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. Um, now it's seniority. I mean, we were the first mm. one to raise the flag of teaching the specific blends of martial arts that we did. So just to give you an example, in the business park that I'm in, there are three CrossFit gyms, there's a jujitsu gym, there's a Taekwondo gym. And I mean, I have no problem with them. They have no problem with me. And I know they wouldn't affect my business because they don't do what we do the way we do it. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> so there was that. So in 2009, no one was teaching Thai boxing in Greenville. If they were, it wasn't a big name. The Filipino arts, Wing Chun. Um, so all these arts are forms, tons of karate, taekwondo, BJJ places, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but there weren't anyone doing what we do. And, you know, ironically enough, now, as I speak to you, there are some guys who moved in from bigger cities and came down to Greenville because I think they know there's something in the soil here. There's something in the water here. You know, it's, it's lush. The business is good. And so now you're seeing probably when you do your Google search, a couple of the kickboxing places. Now you're seeing, uh, we have a huge UFC franchise gym here. Uh, now you're seeing um, uh, Filipino martial arts, but we still market it that we were the oldest and the mm -hmm. longest and the first ones doing what we do. And um, yeah, our Google reviews, um, uh, speak for themselves. Our ratings speak for themselves. Our, <clears throat> our staff, we have world-renowned uh, staff members, uh, guys that are known throughout the world. One guy has one of the best-selling books on Amazon about the Filipino martial arts, and he wow. happens to be in our backyard uh, teaching. You know, um, so I'm never uh, concerned nor worried or about competition. Now, the other thing is, is I do like our martial art community here that we all get along. Uh, we, we really respect each other's, most of the guys here respect each other's line mm -hmm. and don't cross it, you know? So it's not like Cobra Kai or anything like that <laughs> where people are <laughs> dojo smashing each other or anything like that. Uh, no, everyone here is really, really cool. So a, cool, a, a funny story, uh, when I do get fighters, like the hardcore guys, I'll send them to the gym that I know that takes the fighters. Cause I know mm -hmm. the coach there and he's real cool and he's real chill and he's top notch. Um, when I do get, you know, guys who want to focus, we don't have a huge grappling program, but grappling is very popular now. You know, you see Khabib, you see uh, uh, MMA. I will send them to the top grappling school here in Greenville. There's even one that I'm currently grappling with right now <laughs> to continue to train with. I'll send them there. It's like, yeah, hey, I grapple with these guys. Come check them out. So I have no problem with that. Again, I mean, that, 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 that's no problem for me. So the communities here is really good too, so. Just to kind of recap, so it sounds like you're saying when you started, you guys were the only, you guys were specialized in certain martial arts that no one else was teaching. Yeah. Now yeah. the other competition has come in. Uh, you don't have to, you know, other people may be doing it, but 
you you since you have been here the longest you're able to kind of right. communicate that we've been uh, the longest running yeah. for this and you know ironically enough a lot of those guys have messaged me prior um not it's funny it's like we don't come off as you know the the truck stop where you have to stop and check in with us before you continue your travel but i've had a lot of them respectfully come come through and say hey just letting you know i am joe somebody and I'm opening up this and I've seen your place and um, any help you can give, please. Or, you know, we'd love to meet you with, you know, so very, 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 very polite, um, you know, in, in this city, you know? So, yeah. I mean, and I think that again, it, we just, it actions for me, both literally um, speak louder than words in this career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, both as a fighter, you, you, you just watch them. You can tell who they are, if they're good or not. But also um, as a business person, too, actions speak louder than words. And I think that people see the character and demeanor from our students and the culture that we have at our academy, our reputation, our organizations, uh, again, are, are worldwide, world-renowned, top-notch, and have been around for a while. Um, for every program that we have, there's an organization that backs that program, mm. supplying it with proper curriculum, proper structure, uh, proper ranking system. Um, so, so there's nothing, uh, you know, there's nothing, uh, we're not winging it. I mean, we, this, this, this is all backed by really good organizations that other people that I know are affiliated with these organizations have success in their schools and don't have any problem with competition. So we're also affiliated with these specific organizations in this city. No one else is. So a lot of people, some of the hardcore martial arts actually look for that. Um, one in particular, um, Bruce Lee's organization uh, is uh, in learning his art is the head guy that does that. His name is Dan Inosanto. Um, if you're a big Bruce Lee fan, he was in his movies. Um, he's now 86 years old. We have instructors under that man who has that direct lineage to Bruce Lee at our academy. There are people who are hardcore Bruce Lee fans who actually research that to see, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to that school because they're under Guru Dan Inosanto. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that just gives you an example you know, of, of, of what we got. I mean, I don't want to, brag or toot our own horn or, or anything like that i'm just trying to answer your question no no i think um, that's it's very valuable for, for the audience like the importance of having authority in the space and and like these are things that i think nowadays it's it's kind of become easy to fake authority where you can get like certain um you know little things on instagram social media that make it look like you we have, call it uh we call it youtube university yeah Exactly right, <laughs> yeah, but like YouTube to have University, yeah, we we got we got a couple of those guys yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, but to have actual uh, like you know authority in the space is is something that's um, irreplaceable. You mentioned that you have so I mean, w- one of the things you mentioned you have people that have studied under uh, that instructor, and then you also have an instructor who uh, has a best selling book on Amazon. How how do you attract this top talent? Right, I think talented people can make or break your business. Right, if you have really talented, awesome, motivated people, then uh, running a business becomes a lot easier, right? How do you make sure that you're attracting them? And then how do you also keep them and retain them? There's a saying, uh, I'm, I'm going to steal this guy's quote here, but he's he's my coach. He's my mentor. He was the one, his name is Greg Nelson. Uh, he uh, was the two-time cancer survivor I spoke to you earlier about, and he is one of the top coaches in the UFC right now. Um, he's got these amazing quotes. And if I had an opportunity, I would put them all over my gym, but there's one that he has that I love. And it says, uh, hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard. Mm. And, um, I love that quote. And I think that that's the way I've always been. I, I don't feel I am a talented individual. I feel like I'm a hard worker. Um, I think talent and luck, maybe 10%, but I'd like to believe that 90% of it is the fact that I make the effort to go to the gym, the fact that I make the effort to invest in traveling under instructors to learn specific martial arts to bring back to my academy. I mean, I think actions speak louder than words. And for most of the time, most of the connections that I've made in the martial art world, they've seen me in action because again, I'm an introvert, so I don't talk too much. So they've probably seen me in action and, and that's how. I know that's the case with... Um, with the gentleman who has the book out, uh, Dan Medina, they're actually making a documentary about him. Uh, from what wow. I heard, I last spoke to him. Yeah, he teaches our lunchtime classes. I mean, this guy 
I, I feel bad because I was just coming out of cancer. This was 20, 2016. And uh, he stopped by our place twice. And he left a book there. And that's it. And he's like, I, I think you guys would benefit from this. I didn't think anything of it. Uh, and then finally, I took the time to read the book. And I called him that night. I said, uh, you're hired. Yeah, I mean, yes, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I would love to have you at our place. And, uh, but again, he stopped by our place. I think, um, yeah, actions speak louder than words, uh, and, and our organizations speak for themselves. Um, same with, um, one of the other guys that I have is actually the instructor. My mother brought me to when I was five mm. full circle. He's not teaching at our place. I call him my Sifu wow. and he still is to this day. He's there. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the staff members, I either groomed, um, and they do a phenomenal job because I think they, they watch the way I, I run the place. And, and um, yeah, and, and I know one, another guy was, uh, you know, I think we sparred or we fought or something. And now he, now he, he teaches at our place. So, yeah, so, 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 yeah, actions, man. Actions speak louder than words. I mean, I, you know, hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard, man. It's, it's a mm. true, true statement. So, yeah, that's powerful. Um, yeah. I, I didn't want to, uh, ask a little bit more, uh, you know, marketing things. Uh, I think one question I did have is, do you guys, uh, and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, uh, just let me know, but do you guys have a budget for marketing? Do you spend any money on marketing your business and getting the word out there? Um, it just kind of goes back to my staff. I've, I've been really blessed. Uh, I have a, a lady who, uh, she was doing SEO search engine optimization for some of the top hotels and businesses here in Greenville quit that and then started to invest and just, um, become an entrepreneur for herself. So kind of an SEO for hire. We, when we first met through her, uh, boyfriend who is now her husband now, uh, he was a student under me and he poked her and said, Hey, I think you will like this art. And I think he could use you to help market his place. Mm. And that connection happened 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, uh, again, someone who's still with me till this day. Um, and uh, ever since then, um, I have had the opportunity to pick her brain and she has ran uh, the, uh, our, our website, um, our uh, Google, um, our uh, Facebook page, um, our our logos, our uniforms, I mean, you name it. And I mean, she's one of the reasons why when you Google searched us, when we came in one of the top, uh, top guys, it's because of her. She's brilliant at what she does. Uh, I've been fortunate enough that we bartered. So I would teach her for free and she would do that. Mm -hmm. I think I just checked my account the other day. I think the only thing I paid was my hosting fee every month uh, for the website. But, um, you know, we live in a day and age now, it should not be hard to brand yourself and market yourself. I mean, everyone's got a smartphone. Everyone's got a camera. Um, everyone's got a Facebook account or a TikTok or an Instagram. Why is it so hard to market now? It shouldn't be. So all the stuff you see on my Instagram, that's just all me. And all the stuff you don't see on my Instagram, that's because I'm lazy. But really, I mean, if, if I just get on board with it and I tell myself, hey, I really need to market myself, I could do it. Uh, and I know I'm capable of it. And Instagram was something easy to pick up on. I'm, I'm lucky that, I mean, I'm 35. So I, I sort of kind of grew up in, 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 a, in that generation when we went from, uh, what was it? Uh, YouTube videos to, to was it MySpace to Facebook to, mm -hmm. to Instagram. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm lucky in the generation I have, I'm, I'm, I'm tech savvy. Um, but yeah, no, we don't spend too much. Now in the beginning I did. I mean, in the beginning I did something called guerrilla marketing. There's actually a book uh, out, which is really good, uh, that one of my uh, the guys who ran a gym put me on. And that particular marketing book would tell you to invest in brochures. Back in the day, we used to print out flyers, print out brochures, business cards, um, stakes that you put off to the side of the road that has an arrow pointing this way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd, I'd spend, you know, maybe $100, $500, $600, uh, you know, uh, on that. But the most I've spent so far was my videographer uh, was, was a good chunk change when we made the video online sequence portal. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, 
I'm, I'm not spending any, there's no uh, budget because I'm not spending much when it comes to marketing. Mm. I, I don't, and you know, <clears throat> I haven't tried the Facebook market ads and, and the, the Instagram ones. I, I know this, it's becoming a very saturated market now. And unfortunately, you know, without naming any names, it is showing uh, new business owners true colors, especially in the martial art world. Because when you're suddenly paying Instagram to make your followers, and because you know you that you you could pay them to ten thousand or twenty thousand, but I swear I looked at your account a week ago and you had a hundred followers. You know, like I, I clearly see what you're doing. You know what I mean? When I see your ads. But I know that that's not really the picture of your jam. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's revealing people's true color. So you know, for that reason, I haven't really gotten involved in it. I, I just I'm still old school. You know, what I mean, like if the wheel works, you know, don't tweak it, man. You know, so the wheel's been working for us, so we've been we we've been fine. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people on the podcast when they come on, they have brick and mortar places. They haven't spent too much on uh, these kind of forms of marketing, and I, I just. I think there's a narrative nowadays that you have to spend money on these platforms. There is. To, uh, I think gone are the days of word of mouth. I think COVID has a big play in that. Um, we have always been word of mouth. We get more referrals. Mm. You know, when I ask people, how'd you find out about it? Oh, my cousin is in your women's kickboxing class. Oh, my neighbor told me about you guys. Oh, uh, the teacher at our school said, y'all are phenomenal. You know, oh, um, I saw this girl and she used to train with you and she just won her fight. And she says, yeah, go check them out. We're, we're big on word of mouth. Uh, I'd say, mm-hmm. I'd say word of mouth and not Google reviews. Again, there's no dollar sign attributed to that. Right. You know, um, that has been our biggest way of getting uh, clientele. Yeah. That's, uh, that's irreplaceable, right? Like someone willing to put their own reputation on the line to say, Hey, this is a good place. I recommend it. That's, invaluable yeah yeah it's um, been great the last thing i wanted to get your uh pick your brain on really is you know you have studied a various number of martial arts um and i wanted to just it, like it seems like just talking to you you're a continuous learner right just want to talk to you about the importance of having this kind of mindset seeking out different perspectives making sure that you are continuously uh trying to learn so that you can come back and then serve your audience and serve your, uh, the people, your community that you're working with. Absolutely. Uh, my superiors are all, uh, yeah. Cause one of them just turned 70. My superiors are all 70 and above all my instructors, um, minus a few. They all still learn different martial arts. They all mm. still pursue more arts. Who am I to just hang up my brain? And say, yeah, I know everything. I'm good. When these guys are, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Dan and Osano, legend in the martial art world. He's Bruce Lee's best friend. He's the one that I'm under his organization for Bruce Lee's martial art. He was in Bruce Lee's movies. He has the authority to pass down as far as who gets instructorship to teach that. This man is 86 years old and still learning arts till this Mm. day. Now, it has recently stopped because of COVID obviously due to his health, but I, yeah, I think I've listened to his schedule and beyond teaching at the Academy, which by the way, he still does at 86, he's still going to other gyms in LA and learning. Mm. And, you know, when I see that and when I hear that, I mean, the man has seen three generations of students in his gym. He's seen a kid become a teen, become an adult, get married, have kids, and then maybe their grandkids as students. I mean, that this guy's a legend, and uh, you know, he's, may he continue to have a long life. And when I see guys like this continuing to learn, I, I don't really have an excuse. I don't, I don't really have an excuse. So, uh, not only that, but even if I didn't use him as an example, I've never, you know, I've never heard someone say, "Geez, I should have never learned all that knowledge. It did me so wrong." You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard someone say, you know, like learning, screw them over. You know what I mean? Like, I've never, I've never heard that. You know what I mean? So, no, I think it's, it's great, man. I, I'm still doing that. Um, I'm not a grappler. I'm a striker. I am learning how to grapple because it puts me in an uncomfortable position. 
And when you put yourself in life in these positions, that's where growth happens. Um, I think that's where learning happens when you put yourself in positions and that you're, you get out of your comfort zone, if you will. And uh, when you do that and you get out of your comfort zone, uh, that's where the real growth starts to happen. You know, I mean, uh, it could be in extreme cases where, you know, you're in a corner of a ring and you're just taking a beating, trying to figure out how to defend yourself and survive to, you know, something simple. Like, you know, I, I just recently in the past two years started to do marathon running. You know, and I, I have plantar fasciitis, which is like, makes your, your feet are flat footed uh, very bad. So running and kickboxing is like the last thing that anybody who has this problem should do. And that's what I do. So, uh, but, you know, I, I mean, when things were locked down during COVID, I found a high that good old runners high that people talk about. And I started running. Um, you know, I put in a random 10 miles today with my baby in my stroller just because just because of boredom. So, uh, but I know it's something uncomfortable and I know that to get better at it, I need to go pursue it. Mm. And I need to learn some of the techniques behind how to run better. I need to hang out with a lot of these marathon guys, change my workouts up a little bit. So, I mean, if every, it, it takes a, what is it? It takes a, a village, mm. right? It takes a village. And I think um, for every fighter, you know, Habib to any fortune 500 person, any role model you have promise you there's at least five people behind that person. Uh, and I'm not just talking about wife or husband or, or kids or father or mother as a motivator. I'm sure there, there's a marketer, there's an accountant, there's a, a medic to make sure that they're healthy. There's a, you know, in, in the martial art world, there's a, there's a strength and conditioning coach. There's a nutritionist. There's a, uh, a striking coach. There's a kickboxing coach. There's a wrestling coach. You know, um, there's, there's someone to coach them on how to be better at time management. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's somebody to coach them on how to lose weight properly for these fights. So it takes a village. Uh, and uh, I, I, so you're always learning. I mean, I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know of anyone um, that says, oh, everything was because of me and myself and I, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just don't, I have not read up on anyone who is like that. Um, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm old school and I'm not up with the times, but I mean, I, I just don't know anyone who has not taken the time to learn more uh, and better themselves to be top in their game, no matter what field they're in. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know I said the last question there, but um, I was just going through my notes and there's one thing that I did want to hit. Sure. Um, you mentioned that you were on a strip with like CrossFit and a, a bunch of other gyms uh, and you had a pretty big facility now. Uh, I wanted to, and you've been at a smaller facility before, so just wanted yes. to pick your brain on how important location is uh, and how much that does for your business. Storefront, especially right on the main strip, right on the main road, that's always going to be um, gold. Uh, but as anyone knows in any city, you're, you're going to pay a lot of money to be on the main road. So ironically enough, <clears throat> Where my gym is, is we are on the main road. However, I'm within a business park that you have to actually know, either by looking at the very microscopic directory that we got that nobody looks at when they come inside the uh, the uh, business park, to finding us online. Um, I do think if you're talking about 2021, you know, we're in a day and age now where if I can't find you on my smartphone and you don't have a digital footprint, you don't exist. Mm. So, so in my humble opinion, if you don't have a digital footprint of some sort, as much as I hate to look at my phone, I'll be honest with you, but if, if you don't have a digital footprint, you don't exist. And, and I've seen very successful places, holes in the wall, middle of nowhere. How are they getting clientele? Yeah, it used to be us. You know, SEOs, they're finding them online. They're seeing Facebook about them, Instagram about them, YouTube videos. So I think now probably not as much a location being key, but there's a flip side to it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you could be great digitally, but then if I pull up and you're, you're next to a, a drug house, okay. Or you're next to a, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the bad part of town, you know, uh, where I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm going to get you know, jumped just walking into the gym and leaving then then yeah yeah that's a bad location obviously right so 
I do feel that um, personally, I, I've always, I don't know why, but I've always been attracted to business parks. And I think it's because of the lack of a good location I had in my first two gyms. The one that my father gave me, it was in the middle of nowhere, 30 minutes outside of Greenville. So Greenville is a bustling city. Excuse me. I was an easily, I was a 900 square foot place and it wasn't on easily at that time didn't really have a main road and if they did i was on it and seo is a little bit brand new but most of it was people driving by finding us and the only ironically enough the only way they knew about us is there was an abc liquor store to my right and a meat store to my left and then you had us okay so if they were getting meat or beer they would find out about us oh hey that looks pretty cool. I was just on my way to pick up a bottle or I was just on my way to the butcher to get my meat. So that was me in the beginning years. Uh, and then I'll never forget my second location and I'll never make the same mistake, but we were in a skate park. Um, it was 10,000 square feet, but we were given 2000, which was right behind a, <clears throat> a half pipe, which is a, you know, where they skate down and then they skate back up. Um, I don't know how much you know about skating culture, but Dropping the F bomb in every sentence and weed mm. is like huge. So hearing that and smelling that all the time when I'm trying to teach kids like Not to do that. <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Polar just polar opposite culture clash. Mm. That lasted for a year. We actually got funny story behind that was uh that guy almost evicted us. And I think that was I had a business partner at that time. And that's also something I learned that I, I, I don't do personally. I don't do well with business partners. Uh, so I, I've changed a lot since then. I, I said, no business partner for me. And I got to get a better storefront professional looking uh, place. So then I went inside what is now Maravin Business Center. And uh, I had a thousand, 1,700 square foot place there. And then in 2016, where we are currently now, within that same business park, because I liked it so much, I had a 5,000 square foot facility. So, so. That's an example of physically location being important, but uh, I think for the most part, I mean, as long as you're in a safe, safe place and other businesses are thriving in that place, and you know, uh, and and you have a good digital footprint, I think that you can make it work. You know, I think <laughs> that you could you could make make it work. I mean, and if you can't, think of how many businesses start from home. You know, right. So there you go. You know, so you, you always have that avenue to do. Unfortunately, I've, I'm seeing. Um, now, a lot of people, again, teaching from their home martial arts and stuff like that, and then trying to make money off of it. I uh, have not, you know, I have, I have not seen any success or know if people personally have success on it, but I know that it's something that people can do. I still, again, I'm a little bit old school in the fact that I think you need a dojo. You know, you need a proper school. You need a storefront where people can go. And collaborate and learn an environment where, uh, you know, uh, it could be nurtured. You know, you, you, you're you building fighters, you're building warriors, you're building um, stronger people to contribute to society. Yeah, that's uh, those are really good examples. And I think speaking of digital uh, presence and digital uh, location, where can the audience find you and uh, Raja Martial Arts if they're looking and more interested to, to learn? Absolutely. Uh, um, Facebook is Raja Academy of Martial Arts, um, or they can uh, find my name, Harun Raja. Um, Instagram is huge. Uh, just put uh, at Raja Academy. Uh, they'll find us as well. Um, <clears throat> and finally, uh, our website is Raja, R-A-J-A, uh, martialarts.com. And uh, that is our webpage. It has all the information on it uh, if they ever want to get in contact with us. But it also has our affiliations where if they're in, let's say, <clears throat> like Detroit, like you, uh, one of the guys, two of the guys uh, that I train under, uh, there's an instructor there that was in Southfield, I was telling you about, that is under that organization. So through our website, you can find um, uh, satellite instructors who t do kind of what we do uh, in different states and in the country and in the nation and in the world. So, so yeah, the website is, is also good for that as well. And uh, yeah. Awesome. I'll be sure to link that stuff in the show notes as well. Uh, Harun, thank you so much for joining the show. I had a great time. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
So after this podcast, I got curious and I did some research on Google Trends. And it looks like when Kung Fu Panda was released, there was a 33% increase in the search volume for Learn Kung Fu. So media is huge, not just in general awareness, but also prompting people to take action. Now, of course, as always, I have my key takeaways from this episode. But before we get into that, I want to share a clip from an episode we did with Zar Sayed on branding an automotive repair shop. Because you realize that one thing about consumer behavior, that's another thing that you get to study as well after being in just dealing with people on a daily basis. You get to realize certain pattern, patterns in, in, in consumer behavior. People are always likely to leave a bad review than a good one. But people have great experiences. Very rarely will they take time out of their busy life and busy day to go on Google or Yelp to give you a five-star review. Mm. They're not going to do that. But if they have, oh, Lord and behold, if it's one thing that you messed up and they're unhappy, oh, you got to hear it. One star review, Facebook, Yelp. They're going to blast you in every, every place they can, right? But when you want good reviews, you have to ask for them. If you enjoyed this episode with Sifu Raja, I am sure you will also enjoy the episode with Zar. Check it out wherever you are listening to this podcast. It is episode number 21. Now here are my key takeaways. Number one, actions speak louder than words. In the marketing and branding space, we can get so caught up with trying to manage the perceptions of others that we often forget that being authentically yourself and being generous with your knowledge can go way further than thousands and thousands of dollars in ad spent. And number two, don't be afraid to ask for help. Having people he could turn to help Sifu Raja not only get through all his martial arts training and excel in that, but also help when he was dealing with cancer and dealing with the business challenge of his gym being closed after COVID. If you want to take your brand to the next level, you have to have people in your corner that you trust. And that is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.